0: Hello and welcome to our special retrospective episode of Fables Around the Table Super. I am your host, I guess? I don't know. I don't know what I am for the retrospective episode i i am your gm for this season fiona L. F. kelly um if this is the first fable season that you've listened to our retrospective episode is an episode where we uh sit around and talk about what went into into the production of this season um including like what went into the games and characters and also answer some questions uh from listeners like you um joining me today we have the entire cast of super it was in doubt for a little bit but we do have the whole cast <laughs> yeah um, kidding. and also we have uh our producer we we have a weird way we define producer but our creative consultant tom Goldthwaite, who was never on a recording but was there through uh through all of the season um say hello tom hello hello all right um so yeah so if you don't recall we have uh we have chelsea we have nick we have cliff we have dan we have kitty um hi and we're gonna talk about <laughs> the season
1: <laughs> yeah no, we're, not. we're gonna talk Wait. about burritos
2: oh shoot i mean i'm
3: always down for a good burrito they're
1: discussion. pretty
2: good i can't eat burritos right now why do you all keep doing this to me
1: mm, this is that was you actually Targeted personal
0: I in UK. prefer bowls personally to burritos. <sighs> wow!
4: Well, you are also a fool who enjoys chipotle more than hotheads.
2: Thank you, Cliff.
5: I don't eat
4: it either. <laughs> See,
3: I like burritos because I like to feel like I'm strangling my food as I eat it.
0: That's
5: not true.
3: <laughs>
1: All right, I'm going to turn off this call so we can start it again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so three minutes in, uh, we, we are talking about burritos. This is already off to a great start. You can tell we do not script these intros or anything, we just <laughs> let her rip.
3: Did the team ever go get burritos?
0: No. They got pizza.
3: No. Pizza and mozzarella sticks, I think. Yeah, pizza, pizza and mozzarella sticks. But times. I feel like yeah. burritos multiple is times. on brand.
0: Yeah, there were multiple pizza. Well, you didn't eat a lot of the pizzas. You yeah, no, we you we the ordered pizzas. pizza and left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, we ate the pizza. It was just cold by the time we ate it. It is a solid way to eat pizza.
0: I think that the one at the sleepover, you guys like left because- uh, No,
2: we brought it. We brought it with us, it?
0: okay,
1: and
2: it was just cold by the time he ate it.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> See, I think the game was set in like a pre-Chipotle world, wasn't it? I
0: think uh, so. Two thousand seven. When did Chipotle? Start oh no, Chipotle was like
1: coming out around then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was
3: probably been brand new.
1: Yeah.
0: That means Pretty everyone around was around going. That. I didn't like Chipotle until they got the sofritas, which I know had to have been at like at the earliest, like twenty fourteen or something. Yeah. Um. But I was getting the burritos. See, we're bringing it back. I was getting the burritos, and I was getting just the veggie because I'm a vegetarian. And um, they got the sofritas, and I did not like chipotle up until this point. But I finally got the sofritas, and it was actually Tom who recommended I get it in, in a bowl instead of a burrito, and that's how I got my love for burrito bowls.
1: And I uh, up. I yeah. It, yeah,
2: and that's Fiona's villain origin story. Yeah, I mean, that's my villain
0: origin story. It all links back to Tom. Fucking
1: bowl girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bull girl. <laughs> all right, let's let's talk about this season for real. um <laughs> How how is how did everyone like this season? Did everyone have fun? Yeah,
3: yeah, it was all right. Wild ride. <laughs> it
0: was all
1: right. That
6: no, it was fair. Fair. <laughs> yeah i had a lot of fun it did not go where i was expecting it to go
0: it didn't go where i expected it to go either you just hit on two questions i had okay what are your questions
2: uh one was how different did our characters end up from how originally imagined they would and two fiona what the hell were your original plans before you went completely off the rails by shutting off prism that day
0: Yeah. Um, so, (laughs) so I can answer both of those things. Um, your characters stuck pretty close to what I had imagined, like what you described initially, you were all very good at like describing, um, your characters values and, uh, their personality and things like that. And you, uh, you all stuck to it, I think very well throughout the season. Um, so I wasn't too, too surprised there with how your characters reacted. Um, except maybe, in like individual circumstances, you might have like hooked onto something a little bit harder than I expected, but I think overall, um you know, I wasn't shocked by the route any of your characters were taking. um in terms of where the story was going, so Tom and I, uh, before we even had like an unrecorded episode zero, had uh, basically fleshed out an art guide. um we were going to do i forget the term for it it's basically like the good versus evil arc and it was going to be largely about dr quantum and um you know he was going to be this like sort of like respected mentor figure to your team and um you would find out that actually he maybe doesn't share the same values as you um we did largely get to that uh but it was like you know a as we talked to you guys in episode zero and stuff, all of you were bringing these really great ideas to the table that we started incorporating into uh, the story that we had planned out. And we didn't even get to everything on either like what you guys came up with or what we came up with, um, because there was just like so much good stuff. I mean, we had enough for probably like two or three whole arcs for masks. Um, But in episode four, I guess I didn't realize how, uh, how hard um, Stravix would hook on to the two weeks thing and to immediately go and tell, you know, Jackrabbit and then to bring um, everyone else on. And Prism sort of, like, vaguely betraying them was something that just as I was listening to what you were doing, I was like, it would be kind of cool if this happened, not really having a plan for it at all. And you guys (laughs) seemed... um, You guys just seemed really interested in the invasion story. So we... Uh, focused on that for the latter half of the season, and we still got you know a lot about dr Quantum and, and stuff uh but yeah it was it was more about I think buzzness and uh and dr Quantum and you know that dynamic but um it, it it sort of got bigger when we were dealing
1: with an alien invasion
0: tom does that does that track to you Tom?
1: yeah, yeah I'm trying to remember what all we had exactly, but, but I think that's right I think that. And definitely, like, dangling, like, the two-week thing, which I think that you kind of did as, like, a... Like, your thought process was more, like, you were just, like, ratcheting up the tension and, like, bringing in his backstory a little bit.
0: Yeah, I thought that I was... I thought that two weeks was, like, oh, we can, like... It's a deadline, but we can, like, deal with this. It's, like, you know, literally weeks away after we had been, like, blowing this up for a year. I didn't Uh realize that two weeks was gonna be, like, oh, my God, we have to deal with this, like, right now. Yeah.
3: Well, like... The way I looked at it was that, like, after a year of stalling, two weeks is, like, comparatively pretty immediate. Yeah. And given the scale, given the scale of it, uh, it it felt like two We're going to need every second of this two weeks to sort this out. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think that what you did with Strawvix was like super interesting and and a very realistic way to react. Um, so I think that I'm being like, oh, you you played the game incorrect, but no, no, it was no, definitely yeah. funny that you like just like grabbed onto that so hard because I really was not expecting it in that episode. That episode was supposed to be about um, Buzz Ness like attacking the school and blaming it on you guys. Um, but then it was so early on after the only scene that we did that I had plans was, um, was Ezra and, uh, Eliza. And then I was like, oh, I'll see what everyone's doing on the ship. And then we'll get to like, you know, the school stuff and everyone will like link back up and they'll see that like Buzzness is trying to frame them for stuff and trying to like do whatever. And then everyone started talking about the invasion thing and was really engaged with it. And I was like, okay, well, we're doing this now. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things that I noticed in Episode Zero. Uh, Like, I had just come into this after being right on the verge of wrapping up what, uh, for the rest of my group, was a a two-and-a-half-year Masks game. I joined in after about a year of it. And just listening to everybody's stories, I'm like, oh, if we touch on everybody's stuff, this is going to be a very long season. Yeah, right?" right. I was not disappointed. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it was still the longest season we've ever done. Yeah. It was the longest in terms of just actual length of time. It is twice the amount of time that our episodes usually are easily. And then you know, on top of that, we have about twice as many episodes too.
1: Yeah, definitely part of it was especially because we had more players and like masks sort of by design, like each player really gets like their own totally distinctive art. Like, honestly, like, even the amount of time that we expanded to, I think that we didn't really manage to get everybody's stuff in there as much as we might have liked. It was just like, there's too much stuff to get through.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Well, I think that, yeah, I think that if we like totally just rethought how we did it, because we were approaching it like we had approached um, many other fable seasons where we sort of like come in with ideas of, like, themes and maybe, like, a big bad. Um, but even that, I think, was a lot for this. And, you know, I I like running games with, like, a lot of... Uh, A lot of players I know that everyone is like there's a lot of players for recording but I'm like I know I like it though um (laughs) and masks is really hard to get everyone's like backstory into it um I I don't regret having the I, I don't really regret anything about this season honestly um I think it was a cool season in the end but um yeah it was a lot of players and a lot of different things to balance there was a lot of things that I like wish we had Gotten to even if I don't regret the direction that it went in. Um, I wish we would have gotten more with um Ezra and Eliza. She like she was definitely present in it, but it felt like very sporadic compared to um compared to all the interesting things that Dan came up with for for Eliza.
1: Yeah, my mom was cool.
0: Was just, there was just so much you know everyone had that was so cool, but we would need
2: like. A lot of time to dig into it, just kind of the nature of yeah. masks as a game and just kind of superhero storytelling as a uh, concept, too.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you look at like Teen Titans, I mean, they basically have you know, a season is like loosely devoted to one character storyline, and I think that that's like how masks works as well because there's so much world building and so much like you know, character backstory, and you're like doing this like coming of age, and you know. All sorts of stuff. Um, um. Interesting. Interestingly, the one thing that did go in that I wasn't sure if would go if would go in or not was um, was uh, the galaxy eater. because um, that was something I like semi pulled out of my ass in the episode. And I think that that was like good player initiative to be like, aha, I have this like thing. Let's like investigate it and sort of link these things together. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was, I remember talking to Tom, we were at the beach actually eating ice cream and we were like, what should the doomed, you know, thing be? And we just sort of like spitballed like, oh, it's this like fetus of a thing in space. And like, you know, it's going to eat the world or something. And we're like, Oh, that's, like, a lot to get to in the season. We'll, like, maybe, like, hint at something, but largely have it be unknown. Um, And then it came up in an episode, so I just, like, went off of what we had talked, you know, months earlier about. I think it was cool stuff. I think you all made really interesting choices around it.
7: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I enjoyed the idea of, like, well, we have two cosmic level threats. Well, let's just make them fight. So we maybe at best only have one cosmic level threat.
0: To yeah, deal with. <laughs> yeah, and that was sort of the interesting thing was that you know we did have to reckon with like um, co- like in in the group, and this is part of you know having a bigger group. We had to reckon with like some people's backstories being like cosmic world-ending events, and other people's being like much more local, much smaller. Um, and I think that there are like. Ways to do that, and I think that even we did that pretty all right. Um, but it does make the balance like interesting because you don't want to make it about one player. And I, I hopefully I didn't make it about one player in a, in this game. I I hope I gave you all cool moments and stuff. But I can't um,
2: believe Nick took over the entire fucking game. Uh, well, just
0: I'm sorry. Worst. Well, that's okay because then Cliff did all his character arc for him it's true
7: end. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was funny i
4: remember af- after that initial episode just sending out the uh s- the without spoiler spoiler tweet of i'm better nicky receiva than nicky <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i love you nick
0: yeah I think that Straw did have a have a really excellent character arc outside of that though. That right. wasn't like the interesting stuff I I think. Uh-huh. And then the important <laughs> confrontation with his mommy was was actual Straw and not fake Straw.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Straw really surprised like both Asbel and me because I was very much like that galaxy was like, "Hey, I could just, you know, destroy all the Zrel and solve this problem." And Asbel was like, "No, that's literally genocide and happened to mention it to Straw, expecting Straw to be like, yeah, no, that's fucked up. Straw was like, okay, but we could do it, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was well, like, Strah-
3: wait, Straw is intimately familiar with all of the atrocities that his people had committed over the eons.
0: <laughs> um. So since I've been talking for a while, I kind of want to popcorn it back to you guys and um, why don't you guys talk about some stuff that went into like designing your character concepts? Um, I would like to hear from everyone.
3: This segues nicely into a question I had for everybody. Uh, I was I was going to ask specifically um, what uh, what pieces of inspiration do people pull from to kind of help inform and create their characters?
0: Nick, I, I feel like you have to go first
7: oh well shit i have to call on you guys
0: because no one will talk if i don't start calling. You. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um
3: so yeah uh i well my my original concept for straw is actually really different um i kind of like started by wanting to play just kind of like the dumb group mascot like basically i just wanted to be groot uh mm-hmm. so like i had the idea for like an alien that that just smashed things and was dumb um so uh, but then that idea evolved into something a little bit more like regimented and militaristic. So um, I pulled a lot of inspiration from like the Skrulls, basically because like the one ability I had from my uh, my playbook was to shapeshift. So like that's like an easy comparison to make. Um, and then also the the Galra from um, uh, Voltron was a huge kind of inspiration for how I kind of visualized the way the Zrel ascendancy kind of like functioned and like held itself. Um, So like, those are kind of like the two main like kind of points of inspiration for like where, how I came about with like the character of straw and like the idea of the Zrel ascendancy in general.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. I'm going to popcorn it to Chelsea. I'm Chelsea.
6: You're Chelsea. Um, so I I think I've mentioned this on our episode zero, uh, listeners, if you've listened the whole way through. Uh, comics are like not exactly my wheelhouse, so I don't have sort of like that uh, like rich, lush background knowledge of that kind of stuff. So Juno was actually based off of a video character villain from a game that very few people I know have played. Um and so this character is from Mega Man Legends, which is the best video game ever. Fight me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the villain is named Mega Man Juno, which I just totally ripped the name from. Um, but they're a, a robot that's a bureauc- bureaucratic unit. Um, so that's sort of like where I was like, okay, so, so Juno is going to like paperwork and be like, the nerd, quote-unquote, of of the group. And that's sort of, like, what informed a lot of her, like, like, uh, teacher's pet kind of attitudes,
0: I guess. All right, let's go to uh, Daniel. Uh,
5: okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure where, or, like, what expe- uh, specifically inspired Ezra, uh, because when Fiona asked me to be on this i then very quickly consumed as much like superhero media as i could (laughs) uh which i was already doing because i I very casually like superheroes a whole lot uh so i watched every season of young justice i watched like three or four different uh movies i think shortly after it ended i watched super crooks on netflix and that one was phenomenal um even though it had nothing to do with like the game as a whole, um, but uh,
2: we also were watching a lot of Skate the Infinity around when were brought this up. We were, we,
5: we up. were also <laughs> watching a lot of Skate the Infinity. Um, just I, I consume a lot of like really over the top uh, media, um, but specifically the original inspiration came uh, mostly from the infamous game series. Mm. in the sense that like that is a game that's very heavily like the choices you make determine how people see you and whether you're like a hero or a villain is really just down to like how things go and specifically the original powers were not light manipulation but like neon manipulation because in the second game somebody has those and they're very cool but then I was like, man, that feels like really hyper specific. And if I'm not around the thing that I control, I'm going to not have a good time. Uh, so <laughs> then I, I changed it to that. But a lot of, yeah, just a lot of my like general idea from things came from just consuming a lot of superhero media. I did know that one thing I wanted for sure was um, while I do think like heroes not having uh, close family ties or no family ties is interesting. I thought having my mom be a supervillain but very caring was very funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, cool. I loved her. Liz was the best mom. Yeah. Um. Why don't we go to Kitty? Okay. Um.
2: Well, honestly, as far as Asbol's like concept. It came about more because I was like, oh, what playbook do I want to do? And I had lots of different ones I wanted, but then I just got really attached to the doomed because I'm just an angsty boy at heart. Um, But what I really wanted was I wanted to not do the, oh, you know, woe is me, emo kind of doomed thing. I wanted it very much to be, you know, he's actually very positive. He's, you know not so fixated on being cynical or anything like that so it was also kind of like a little bit of like an uncle Iro kind of thing like he's very like kind of old soul like he's he knows that this is his fate and he's kind of accepted that but at the same time that's how he was compartmentalizing it um and then as far as like trying to flesh out him as a teenager, that was a lot of Dan and I were watching a lot of Skate the Infinity, so we wanted to do our skate gaze. Um so we had mm-hmm. the skateboarding and then the tea and the writing fan fiction and reading a lot. And it was just, you know, also kinda like in the same realm of Juno as we well just kind of being the quiet nerd of this bombastic group, which is why I think he had related to Juno a lot because while the other three were being loud rap scallions, they would just uh, sit back I don't know and what enjoy you're talking the show. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I um, I didn't have a lot of specific influence stuff. I did come back to Uncle Ira a lot, and also as far as like the concept self, I'm just I love space. Space is so cool. And I love the estet. Oh, I walked into that. Ha! (laughs) (laughs) I love the aesthetic of space and galaxies and all that. And I also am kind of the player that I like to leave lots of doors open to my storyteller, so I don't flesh out a whole lot of the big questions, such as what my doom actually was. I just like to throw that to my storyteller. You know, I didn't know what my doom was. I didn't know uh how it happened um all i knew was that this is this is what we got so that was always fun to then see what fiona and co do with it Mm -hmm. i like i still don't know whether uh aswell's parents like
0: caused this doom thing or not um that was actually something Tom and I talked about when we were originally um making the concept. We kinda decided if it if it was more interesting, it's just like no one knows. It's just <laughs> it's just sort like, of a mystery.
2: But yeah. I also very sp- I did like weird things with the naming convention. Like I very specifically like had his parents be like you know, one his mom's uh, name started with an A, his dad's name started with a Z, and then his is A O, Z, like, first letter alphabet, middle letter alphabet, last letter alphabet. I don't know. I just did, like, weird things with this character that just made me happy.
0: <laughs> Aww. Um, yeah, let's go to Cliff. Cliff, your character was from a different game. <laughs> yeah,
4: so anyone who knows me knows that, uh, if I can do something for the bit, I will, even if it's just a bit for myself. Uh, so, Jackrabbit was actually the character I played in the home game. Uh, they were a, when they, in that world, they started off as a, uh, non-binary social media famous local hero, just working to, uh, basically not only like be a hero, but also like be a role model and a, uh, positive influence against people who think that, like, you know, like, people of trans or non-binary identities, or some other, somewhere else within that wide spectrum of, like, gender identity, you know, they weren't something to be feared, they're something they had, they have, like, things to help enrich the community and, like, be a positive force. Um and then things got flipped upside down with some wild swings from uh, from my DM, and that during this arc was Saker included a whole bunch of like time travel nonsense, time loops, and trying to delve into their full like backstory it could be a podcast on its own. But I had the idea of trying to like play to find out a way that would let me within that personal character narrative, um, like, figure out a way that, like, it made sense for them to be in this world. And, uh, that ended up working out, getting stuck in a, uh, void with the final boss of that game, and, uh, getting an offer from a, uh, an entity that crossed dimensions known as the Treadmill, that basically kept all of the dimensions moving forward in time. As, like, yeah, well, we need a presence in this other world. You can come back to life in this world, but you can't return. And they took it. Uh, I still haven't decided whether it was they entered, like, their other dimension counterpart and took over their body with the powers they had for speed. Or if it was, you know, like, actually them. I haven't ever decided. And maybe one day it'll get figured out, but it's not important. Uh, But yeah, they were just kind of jaded because they had finally, like, found somebody they cared about. Uh, Their memory was erased from the world they came from. And... So the their whole arc in this for in this game basically was they didn't want to form attachments here because uh, they wanted to try and find a way to circumvent the agreement and get home, but uh, it turned out that they got attached and one of their big things was that they wanted superheroes to, you know, be prepared they've seen like teen superheroes get thrown in over their heads so much and they wanted to try and impart what knowledge they had to keep that from happening but they were also kind of very jaded over the superhero life so they really they wanted to get their point across but they were very snarky about doing it
0: yeah, I think uh, before our what I th- either our final episode or penultimate episode, um, I went with our mutual friend M to the zoo, and we were talking about uh, Jack, and I was like, "These stories about Jack from this other game are really interesting."
7: <laughs>
4: <laughs> when the time loop thing was introduced, we li- we literally stopped that game for like an hour trying to get like. Because this was just a wild swing thrown by Saker. Yeah. I had no idea about it. But it's like, we stopped game for at least an hour trying to, like, map out how this actually worked.
0: You know, because the way that it was described to me, I was like, wait, is this Homestuck? Did did they do a Homestuck? <laughs> and the way that uh, it
2: was explained, 100% sounded like Homestuck.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, like, they were created from an experiment. And they live life within fifteen years between two thousand three and two thousand eight no, two thousand three and two thousand eighteen. And uh, at eighteen they got transported back to a specific point in time, and uh, there were multiple iterations of this person of you know, Charlie Jackrabbit going around. So there would be like any given time like a three year old uh, 18-year-old, and then, like, every increment up through 15 years, and, like, their technical birthday was, like, 2015, so that's why it was three years old from that time period of 2003 to 2018. Okay. (laughs) And, yeah, it was just, like, a giant Mobius strip time loop nonsense, and... yeah. (laughs)
7: And I was just like, how do
4: I keep playing this character?
2: What were Jack's powers in your home game? Because we hinted at that a little bit in your flashback.
4: So, in the home game, Jack started off with, uh, like, fire powers. They could, like, control fire. There were many times that they accidentally yeeted themselves from wherever they were to, like, up in the mountains. Um... Then, as the uh time loop power went on, there was a little bit of power creep gaining like kind of some ability to like absorb energies and also like do some minor healing and um it turned out like that was like a more wider thing, and then that took on its own life. There was a move from one of the playbooks where. Uh, If you mark a condition, you can use a power that you wouldn't normally have access to, and you don't have access to it again after that. And, like, it's just kind of like, in the moment, your powers, like, mutate and manifest. So, uh, they were, like, almost kind of like like a a lighter version of a Nova by that point, but still their primary power was fire. And, uh, yeah, one of the things, like, with that was, like, when Jack fought the final boss and went into that, like, time rift to put them in this, like, intermediate dimension where they were, um, they had kissed their partner on the cheek, who was the, a, a living, uh, massive energy that had speed powers, and... Uh, so they uh, they absorb some of that speed power, which gave them connection to this, uh, the cosmic treadmill. And that's why it's like, well, you've got this connection now. Let's uh, amplify this. And I think that leads me to kind of leaning towards the whole like the Jack in this world, the for the game where this game took place. It was like the consciousness is what moved into that body and not necessarily their physical because they didn't have the fire powers here.
2: Mm. Cool beans.
4: It's yeah, real it's cool real style. complex and <laughs> <laughs> wonderfully convoluted like comic books should be. Yeah. That's fair. Exactly. That is the most comic book. It's show. very
3: comic booky, yeah.
0: I will I will reveal how my mind works for a second. I heard um, I heard Fire and Speedy and I thought Score Bunny from Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and he is tracks. called Jackrabbit. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think like uh, how different
1: like different like media genres rank in terms of like convolution. And I feel like it's comic books and then anime and then <laughs> like maybe like fantasy
0: See, I feel like anime tops um comic books because That's also comic what I books feel. Re- comic books like reboot and sort of like solidify what they're actually about. And anime just goes for 20 more years getting more and more complex and like <laughs> But then
5: they also retcon things. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But see comics like don't even when they reboot, they don't really reboot like they tend to like kind of like They don't actually decanonize stuff. They just kind of like
0: but you have, like, your core archetypes of a yeah. character. Like, you know, Batman is, like, a billionaire. He doesn't have any powers, but he fights bad guys. And, like, you know, he is the knight and, you know. Oh, yeah, Whereas yeah. Anime, I, mean, I cannot even begin to tell you what that JoJo show is about. I, I say, <laughs> please, please go
2: watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and then tell me that anime is less convoluted than comic
0: books. I, I mean, I JoJo's seen... is clearly
4: about a bizarre adventure.
0: I have seen one episode of that. Chelsea and Dan showed it to me, and they just ate spaghetti the whole time. And I'm like, "This can't be the show." (laughs) No,
5: no, like that. That's like that's not even filler. That's that's got like relevance to things later on.
0: I just could not even comprehend what I was watching. Yeah, the
5: most recent manga of that ended, and somebody got eaten by a uh, a guardrail. Nice.
0: What? Nice. Yeah, guardrails Daniel.
5: are magical, people live in them It's, it's you know, things happen See,
1: I feel like I
0: do need I, to watch this show I, I, like, still a little bit feel like Dan is like about all of
5: this See, that's the best part about JoJo I can say things, and I don't have to lie Because it just sounds it's just wild it just enough sounds, yeah. uh,
1: See, I, like, totally followed the spaghetti episode I thought it made perfect sense the whole way through Like, I was right there I'm, with it
0: I did not get the spaghetti episode. (laughs) Can I ask a completely
2: (laughs) random question that's entirely related only to my own character? Yes. What the hell was the weird look Dr. Quantum gave Asbel when they first met? I wanted to call back to that so many times, but then stuff kept happening that it felt like it was not the right time for Asbel to bring it up. Because Asbel just thought Dr. Quantum didn't like him, but Kitty was like, why the hell did Dr. Quantum give Asbel a weird
0: look? Oh, it was. Um, so when I had um initially made your um your hooks, I did uh, that. Quantum would push on freak for um for Asbel, and uh, basically because he like went into Asbel's mind and saw the connection there and what that connection could mean, and was you know weirded out by it. Okay,
2: that's what I thought out of character, but I just needed to know. Cause I yeah. never, I never got to bring it up because we kept things kept happening, and just Asbel did not feel like it was the time to bring up. I feel like Doctor Quantum doesn't like me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, if they would have had a conversation, probably Quantum, um, Quantum's plan with Asbel was to um, was to figure out how to like, cause Quantum's like, you know, part of what he was trying to do was figure out. Um, how he could use certain things, and uh Asbol seemed like the biggest wild card to him um so because yeah. he thought that he could like um he thought he could appeal to just about everyone, I think, but just the scope of uh Asbol's powers I think was very intimidating to him,
2: well, Asbol did then read his mind later by using his own power, so I guess he was kind of right. <laughs>
0: yeah I, I I mean more with just like what the galaxy eater would mean because I think that he felt like the hunger and the just like scope of how massive and ancient and like nebulous it was and was like, oh shit <laughs> <laughs> Let's put a pin in that one. <laughs> yeah um sort of related, Tom, do you want to talk about what went into uh designing quantum?
1: Um Actually, I wanted to actually turn that around and kind of ask ask like the crew like what they mm. thought of Doctor Quantum as a character. Um,
0: Tom's no, but, but of <laughs> Yeah, <yes> and Yeah. <laughs> no, but this is why we don't let him on mic. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> no butt is allowable.
6: <laughs> it's, it's. Um, I mean, I loved my super daddy. <laughs> super daddy. <laughs> Uh, I know I seem to be in the in the minority there at the end but <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I guess, or at least you
6: know wise <laughs>
1: yeah and, and okay maybe I will like answer Fiona's question for real like um I mean like like we were talking about it and I mean Fiona I mean, we had the idea for Dr. Quantum um the idea that he was sort of like this like superhero but kind of a villain um that's all like interesting stuff um and Fiona was sort of like fishing around for like what this guy, what this guy's deal was, because I think we both felt it was like uninteresting if he was just kind of like selfish. Uh-huh. Yeah, we yeah. didn't
0: want him to be selfish. We didn't want him to be like super fascist. We we wanted something like more interesting that you guys could like play with with him. That it wasn't something inherently evil. It was something that like maybe you might understand and we can like you know cross that bridge when we come to it or like maybe you just think that he's like this asshole who betrayed you um but we wanted to leave it sort of open-ended to see how you guys like react to it
1: yeah yeah that's sort of why i pitched like objectivism as like a good philosophy for that kind of thing because it's like has like distinctly villainous tones to it but it's like Got a lot more there than just, like... Like, it's not fascist, and it's not, like, just be a dick all the time. Like, there is, like, more to it. And the other thing is, I think that objectivism is sort of, like, fundamentally baked into, like, the DNA of superhero storytelling.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Like, I think it's Um, basically impossible to, like, do a superhero story without, like, bringing in objectivist themes on accident. So, it was sort of reasonable just to get it in there more explicitly
6: <laughs> yeah why well, do it on accident when you can do it on purpose
7: yeah
0: <laughs> well i think that there is a real intentionality though when people do it so i think that when tom was like well why don't we make quantum you know john galt i think was a you know very inspired choice
2: yeah i thought dr Walton was like really compelling because you guys specifically didn't do the you know usual trope of uh, all the supers should have all the power, and blah da 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 Because it played with the fact that the whole... It reminded me of Life is Strange, one of my favorite game series, and that it, you know, had that really complex character where it, it you guys kind of set up with us the way that we were going the whole game, which was, ugh, this system is corrupted, we need to do something about it, da-da-da-da-da, and then... We finally find out Quantum does agree with us, but in a way that feels bad, <laughs> <laughs> and so then we get we get gets flipped on its head a little bit. That we're like, well, I mean, yes, but no.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's it's not like it was inherently bad, like you said. It was just that the way he would have done things would have had negative consequences
0: that we didn't want. Yeah. And like most I, of I, us I, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I really didn't want him to just be like um just be like Magneto. Um I didn't really want him to be like, you know, I didn't want him to be Magneto. I didn't want him to be like um this horrible double agent guy. I was like hoping that you guys would see him as very complicated and engage with that. And I think that you all did, which I was very happy about. Um
4: Dan certainly engaged with Doctor. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I loved that. That one was of my great. favorite moments. Like... Dan
3: certainly engaged with both halves of Doctor. Quantum. Yeah, it was it was so funny
0: when I when I sent that script to Garrett and I like put in the in the notes as he's reading the script, like Quantum is asked if he's willing to die for this. Quantum, yes. Quantum dies. <laughs> <laughs>
7: uh, it was, it yeah. was really.
2: Such a good use of Moment of Truth, especially, it like, was. yours specifically, the reformed Moment of Truth. Like, it was perfectly what that bit described.
5: Yeah, unfortunately, Dr. Quantum was one of those characters that I ran into a problem with, specifically because we had, like, a a chunk of an episode that never aired because we didn't like how it turned out, but I kept thinking it still happened, mm. uh, and I referenced it a number of times because I just couldn't remember that we did not actually, like, air that. Um, but like, I, I was telling Fiona that like, you know, the things Dr. Quantum, like the, the hologram of snake bites said, like resonated really strongly with,
7: mm-hmm. with
5: Ezra. And then to have him also be like the guy mentoring us was, was super interesting. Cause like, honestly, it, it very well could have been a case where if, if he would have gone about things just a little differently, Ezra might've genuinely been like, no guys, this is a great idea.
6: That is the thing. Yeah.
5: He's talking and I,
0: <laughs> And if we would have I think gone with the original plan, I think Quantum would have had more time to like maybe try to sway you guys to his side and and make it a <laughs> make it a bigger conflict than it ended up being.
2: So the thing that through Asbol was as go- going to Ezra was very scared that Ezra was going to agree with what Quantum said as never thought that Juno was going to be the one who to, who, to agree so that that's kind of like the really fun part that that well how quantum was complicated and the way that all worked out was that i really feel like it completely flipped our expectations a bit at least for me because i thought ezra was gonna be on board and juno was gonna be like what the fuck and that was the complete opposite (laughs) yeah
5: i think it was like a combination of like the the real worry that at any point in time that Doctor Quantum was in scene, that Fiona could have been like, "All right, we'll just like, we'll just like say people's secrets as like, <laughs> you, know, you guys like, you, you got a bond over this." And Ezra having like heavier secrets, at least originally, I thought heavier secrets than most people, which very quickly became everyone's got a lot of shit that they're not willing to talk about. Ah, teenagers. Um, yeah. Um, between that and the fact that like. Every time, like, when he was explaining his mentality, Ezra really got, like, the vibes that if we went through with this, Dr. Quantum was going to be like, all right, cool. Now that we've done this, I've got some new ideas how to run this place. And if he was willing to destroy everything to make it up again, he was probably willing to do a lot worse in a society that uh, was kind of built around the fact that he was so trusted by by the heroes at one point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I sliced him in half. It's it's interesting that you say that as about Juno because um, Quantum very early on sort of picked Juno out as his like lieutenant like his like you know right hand <laughs> lady.
2: Oh yeah, but that's like def- that's why As thought that Juno was gonna feel so betrayed because As seeing it from Quantum's perspective like literally in his mind
0: was like this man was trying to groom Juno. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was, and that was, you know... That's why I tried to, in their conversations sort of, like, slip in the tenets of objectivism. <laughs> yeah. Like, Juno, your logic, well, like, you know, is what makes you strong, like, not the systems. Um, and that's but, yeah. part <laughs> of,
2: like, why Az was so thrown when Juno got completely on board with Dr. Quantum, because it was against everything she had been about up to that point, and also... I was like, this man was straight up grooming you, like, you specifically. Like, he betrayed you a
6: lot. Like, all of us, but you. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't directly put me in danger, so that was, or did not put, put, directly put Juno in danger, so that was enough for her at that point. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I, oh my god.
4: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, like, like Jack kind of pointed out to folks, like, later on, it's like, we didn't really do the best job of, like, making Juno feel welcome. We made uh, Juno, uh, at least in Jack's mind, more of into, like, the team parent.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's why, I think that's what Aswell struggled with, because, like I talked about before, As always, like, related to Juno, and they did spend time together, not that that came up a lot during the game, but, you know, they were the quiet ones. We talked about a little bit uh, off, you know, uh, Mike, you know they would do scrapbooking, or you know Juno actually really liked Aswell's fan fiction and stuff. So that's why Aswell was like really, really betrayed when Juno just dropped them all like a rock and basically told Aswell that all he ever was was a burden to her. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> she was
6: so she was under a lot of duress at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Drama. obviously, but then... she did just have her her super daddy killed right in front of her. <laughs> Yeah. But uh you know, trauma's not an excuse.
2: <laughs> no, but yeah. Yeah, I, so I, that was I stand by it. It was really Oh, cool, yeah, I no, think. it was all great, was great role moment. playing. It's just really like, you know, teenagers, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but that that's that's why like I mean, that's why like Asmund Junior's relationship never recovered after that point because you know, Aswell always went after her because try- Aswell saw that everyone was kind of like, you know, casting Juno aside when she was just doing her damnedest just to get everyone to clean their messes up. So as that's why Aswell always ran after her because god, it you know, they had to be a lot to deal with all the time. <laughs> this group of rowdy, you know, rowdy boys mostly. <laughs> so like that's why he always went after, and so that's why it hurt him a lot, because he always thought that they had his connection as, like, they were the freaks. And mm. then Juno reduced him to his his power, basically, and never revisited that again.
1: One thing that I think is relevant and really interesting, so I read, um, it was actually a comment on a blog post um, a long time ago, but like it's kind of stuck with me, because it was like, you know, talking about, like, what it is about, like, objectivism and, like, Ayn Rand that, like, really appeal to certain people. And, like, one thing that was mentioned that I thought was really interesting was how, like, for people, like, for people who grow up in a situation where, like, they're constantly feeling, like, highly constrained by, um, like, family obligations and, like, like lots of, like like, social obligations in general... There is, like, a liberating aspect to objectivism, mm-hmm. um, especially, like, if you are someone who leans towards, like, smart and capable, and you're sort of felt, like, constrained for a long time by social obligation, like, being told, like, no, like, the thing you can do to make the world a better place is just go and, like, like, do your thing and don't let anyone stop you and, like, fuck everyone else. Like, it's, like, a really powerful thing for a lot of people. So, to me, it makes a lot of sense that, like, Juno clicked with that some, because I feel like Juno was in that space of, like, had always been kind of trying to please everyone. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, the sort of, like, ideological structure of objectivism would, like, I think appeal to Juno's need to, like, have a structure to what she's doing while also kind of releasing her from a lot of, like, the little, like hang-ups that she might have about stuff and let her, like, go and do things. Um I, right. Does that kind of sound right?
6: Yeah, absolutely. It was okay. sort of like um the idea of, like, you know, nobody likes the way things are now, so what's the point in either trying to salvage it when we can just blow it up and start over and do it right this time, right? Yeah. And that was uh,
2: always the weird thing about it, because it was very much like, yeah, you know, Dr. Quantum, you're, you're saying everything we agree with, but just slightly off enough that this isn't... Like, we want to do it this way, not that way? Yeah. But yeah, it was... I mean,
0: TLDR, Dr. Quantum was a great character. Good job, guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think he worked really
7: well.
0: Yeah. I think Quantum might be my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite Fables NPCs that I've come up with. I also really like Elias Ruckwood. He was another one that had a very clear structure that we were, like, working within. And we Um, finally
2: got the ultimate question answered that Dr. Quantum had cake. I know. Well, that (laughs)
0: that was the frustrating part. You guys kept asking me that. I'm like, well, if I tell them, it's going to, like, reveal. And this isn't, like, a real question. It's not like I'm, like, rewarding, like, you know, character ingenuity here. It's just, like, you guys, like, (laughs) giving me, like, a meme question. I'm like, I can't answer it. I think
4: think you could have gotten away with just being, like, Like something like, "Oh yeah, he's got he's got cake for days," and we probably would have laughed, been satisfied, and (laughs) stopped giving (laughs) you shit. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We
2: we never would have touched upon it again. But but by not answering, you made it like bigger. (laughs) Yeah, I will say
5: I wanted to keep the
0: mystery alive. (laughs) It's very funny
5: to me with how things like played out that we made so many jokes about Doctor Quantum getting together with Straw's mom that like. (laughs) Him being revealed as a villain almost feels like it was Fiona's way of like being like, no, that's not happening.
7: <laughs> I know,
5: like you can't uh, ship him if he's a bad guy.
2: No, that's that's literally what I was, I was. I was like, oh no, now now we have to ship him with Ezra's mom. No, Ooh.
5: I don't. I don't need a stepdad who can read my thoughts. That's valid.
2: And that you murdered.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: that's the real reason Ezra murdered him.
5: Yeah, that would have been a real weird one too.
0: Yeah. Man, when when
6: that happened, it was such a funny moment. I was sitting here, and and it happened, and it was just like, "Oh no, I'm gonna be a villain now, aren't I?"
0: <laughs> Crossing into to the dark side. It, it was someone's
6: villain origin story. We just didn't figure out who's yet.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I really thought that we were gonna have to fight Juno. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that, that like, interesting that I, I, uh, uh, go ahead." No, it was just I I was going through and I was like, okay, Asbel is going through every situation where right no how he can throw himself in the middle of this and hopefully stop everyone from fighting.
6: <laughs> um, I have sort of like an indulgent question if you guys will allow me to ask it. Yeah. Um, so we spent a lot of time making the covers for each episode of Oh my god, Super. let me pull them up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm uh, ready. which one is your favorite?
2: Oh. I am still completely serious. I want a fucking poster of all the
0: covers. They're <laughs> all very very good. Um, Can we do
3: posters on Redbubble? I don't know. Um
6: media. I know we they do art prints. They probably do posters. I mean, like um, an art
3: print and a poster is like effectively the same thing for, right. our, for our purposes.
6: <laughs> um once we have the mall actually done and like web promo ready, um mm-hmm. I Am trying to figure out how to put them all up for a Redbubble thing yeah. in the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, uh, but it's it's awkward because we have eleven, <laughs> right? Eleven covers. Yeah, that's true. yeah. <laughs> it's well, okay, we have I the, believe in you.
3: Well, we have the, the like the the, the actual title, like the the actual like series cover.
6: Yeah. Then, so yeah, and then each individual
3: episode.
6: Yeah, so there's nine episodes, plus the retro is 10, plus the, the overall cover is 11. Yeah. It's,
2: it's okay. I believe in your ability to lay that out because I need it. <laughs> like, I, 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 have, I have that, uh, the, the Batman one that has, like, all of the wooden cutout covers, all the classic mm-hmm. covers, and it keeps falling off my wall and makes me very sad. Uh, but that's how I, like, imagine the setup is, like, the just, uh, I'm staring at the, the collage one you made right now, and I just want it so bad.
7: hmm
0: <laughs> Yeah, I do, too. I love them so much. This was, I, I will say Chelsea was wonderful working with my, like, weird idea. So, um... Before we got too, too far into production, I was like, I want to see what, like, other people are doing with masks. So I started listening to um, Protean City Comics, and at the beginning of each of their episodes, they would describe a a cover. Um, And I talked to – Saker was a big help on this podcast, and I I was sort of asking Saker, like, you know, how much of the comic book – like narrative setting is really present and um Saker was like oh yeah like quite a bit you know we'll describe like splash panels and things like that and i think that that's a big part of what makes masks masks so after listening to protean city comics uh do that i blatantly ripped that off and was like uh hey chelsea like originally we were just going to do um just, like, single character sketches for, you know, each episode. But I'm like, what if we made, like, a cover? Would that be too much work? And Chelsea, being the wonderful person that she is, like, took on the challenge and made <laughs> 11 absolutely stellar covers that I just love every mm-hmm. single one of them so much.
2: I'm trying so hard to choose a favorite, and I keep on, like, deciding and then, like, being like, no, this other one, then I'm like, no, this other one.
5: Uh, I think my two favorite ones, personally, are, like, the uh ezra and asbel like at school and then also like the the captain coldheart takedown of 07 Mm
7: -hmm. Uh but my but
5: my actual favorite one like genuinely is before you finalize like straw and juno talking to whatever hand of the comic comet dude uh the (laughs) the rough draft where he's got like the really angry face i actually
7: really (laughs) like that one
0: Chelsea's sketch faces are I just love Chelsea's so sketch good. Faces. every time. Every time <laughs> they are great.
2: But yeah, no, I I do really really love the one of As and Ez at school, and mm-hmm. then I mean indulgently I love the one that's Asbol's vision. Like it just mm-hmm. looks it you captured it so it's just so magical. No, you and ah oh, <laughs> shit. But yeah, and then I also really love the one of Ezra and his mom. Yeah. Yeah the the piano. Yeah. And then but of course like the the what like the hilarity and perfectness of Jack Cold Cocking Straw with Jun- Juno in the doorway. It's so <laughs> good. They're all yeah. so good. And the yeah. one with the and one with the picture of that you know when we used to be happy and friends.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I very much like Doorway Juno.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that my two favorite are seven and eight. So the Polaroid and then the Pieta. I think that those Mm -hmm. are my two favorite. I really wanted a, like, Chelsea can vouch for me. I really wanted a Pieta somewhere because that's so, Uh like, it's so prevalent in comic covers. I'm like, we have, I don't know who it's going to be. We're going to have to see who gets, like, hurt real bad, but there's going to (laughs) be one. Yeah.
4: (laughs) I really, this is just me saying it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going
1: to say, I I, I also really like the Pieta. I think that's just.
4: Very
1: effective. Sorry, I was done there.
4: (laughs) Uh, I was just going to say, if if you wanted to do, like, a variant cover of, like, Juno becoming the big bad and the rest of the team facing off against them of what could have happened... That would make mm-hmm. a pretty sweet uh 12-month calendar, just saying. <laughs> yeah. Do, do the what if cover?
2: Or Ooh. or or we we do need like the epilogue, like what, what Severn look like, you know, after the epilogue.
3: Oh, well, yeah, yeah. going up. Yeah. Like 15 years later. Mhm. Oh god, our characters would be like 30. <laughs> That's yeah. when your knees start to hurt. <laughs> And then the can confirm,
1: yeah,
0: (laughs) the retrospective cover, which is not in the grid that I think that we were all looking at with all the all the people playing, all the team playing D and D. I love that one. Oh my
2: God, yes! How could I forgotten Chelsea? They're not
0: playing D and D. They're playing masks. They're playing something. They're
2: playing masks. (laughs) (laughs) It's all D &D. Uh, (laughs) and D.
7: There's even a Chelsea
2: posted the close up of it being the masks book. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, but yeah I loved, I loved all the covers Chelsea does such great work all of the time she's such a good artist I love <laughs> having her around and this is like really I, I put a lot of work onto her being like let's make a cover for each issue because I know how much work went into like just the first one but then I'm like let's do that for every single episode and Chelsea was such a trooper and like made like 11 11- extremely extremely good covers like They're this is so like a good. real comic book <laughs> I did my best ain't <laughs> you aliens and robots and all sorts of stuff
6: yeah I, I was lucky enough not to have any animals to draw in any of these That's covers true. that was very true <laughs> we should we have
2: should, we we thrown a, thrown a team cat in there just because mm, yeah <laughs>
6: got
3: a
0: little pet mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. we can have another can that, don't worry <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> um let's uh start to wrap this up then um so does anyone have anything last things that they want to talk about before we start to transition into ending stuff
2: i do actually um just because i remember specifically saying the words I'll touch upon this in the retrospective because the last episode was getting real long. So, specifically because will Charlie, and Ezra kind of stayed close, and kind of just stayed those three after the team fell apart, um, and then will just kind of decided to disappear one night, uh, he, he didn't just, you know, ghost them. 'Cause that would be kinda of messed up. But you also can't just leave a letter like saying, Hey, I'm gone, love you, bye after, you know, however many years it had been since then. Um so Asbel left a whole journal of that he had kind of written over at least that past year of whether it was like letters specifically to those two or just actually journaling, like, you know, today we went and, you know, saw this movie and it was, you know, so fun just to see them like joke with each other and da 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 da. And it, just kind of those snippets of normal life in the midst of all of the heroing and villaining and, you know, like Ezra's. Eclipse now doing villain things, and Asbel's still doing hero things as Blazar, and Charlie's just kind of living his life, uh, <laughs> trying to keep everything going together. And meanwhile, they're like still ha- they're like having brunch with Ezra's mom on Sundays, <laughs> and you know, um, having to keep up this front that you know Blazar and Eclipse are you know hero and villain and, you know, having that whole fight. And meanwhile, Charlie and Ezra kept this whole time trying to find a way to separate Aspel from the Galaxy Eater. Um, But the fact of the matter was that the only way that Ezra could come up with was with Dr. Infinity, who was a villain who wanted a heavy cost for using his power. So, in the end, the reason Aspel made the decision was because He's still a hero, and as far as he knew, he was the biggest threat to the galaxy. But he also knew that since Ezra's full-on villain now, that could very well be what made Ezra snap. (laughs) So he did leave them both messages, basically to Ezra saying, Hey, please, you're a good person. You've always been a good person, I know you are don't let go, and to Charlie, saying please let Ezra know that he's a good person, and don't let him snap, and I love you both. (laughs) And maybe one day we'll see each other again. Maybe not. (laughs) So that was what I wanted to throw in, that was a big part of the end of Aswell's arc that I didn't want to, like, take up time with in the last episode. (laughs)
0: Very cute. Um... Okay, does anyone else have any last minute like fun facts or things that they want to, uh, that they've like wanted to talk about and feel like they haven't addressed yet?
5: I don't think so. It's not like a fun fact or anything, but like it was supposed to happen this month, but between an impromptu uh, trip to Michigan for uh, illegal substances uh, and then getting COVID, uh, my mask games that I was going to start in January has now been pushed back to February.
2: Mm. Oh I I've that's... also started
0: gmina Masks game. We did wow. sessions we did session
2: 0 last week.
0: Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> I'm glad that everyone is uh is still liking the game. I'm glad I didn't ruin it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I adore Masks. <laughs> I
0: adore it's, you. It's it's a good game. Um I I had a lot of fun with it. I hope you guys did too. Um, I will leave you with a final fun fact, which I guess is that there's technically a lost episode of masks. It's not a lost episode. It's uh, <laughs> it was basically that the, I, I just think this is interesting from like a, a production standpoint that the first episode we went to film, um, we went to record and uh, we started out, you know, in in a combat as it recommends that you do in the book. And, i it, this was like not any of the players faults or anything but i just really wasn't feeling the combat i felt like i didn't have like a grip on it or anything and, and it wasn't like interesting i was having to like you know make my notes being like oh i'm going to go edit a bunch of stuff and like re record parts of it to like make it punchier and i really don't like to to do that like you know after the fact i like it to be pretty close to like what the players uh what the players experienced and then i was like okay stop recording we're gonna try this again later <laughs> And that was what was great about having Tom around too was uh was that he uh was that he was able to like help me uh like visualize choreography and like combat and stuff uh a lot easier because I'm not a person who like is very good at combat visualization and things, but I feel like I got a lot better at it with this game, and uh that's something I'm really grateful for with this game is I feel like that sharpened. A lot of GMing skills uh, That you know weren't very sharp That I now have in my arsenal To make me a, a better player And a better GM I think Nice. Hell yeah
2: Looking forward to the next season that Fiona GMs
0: Yeah it's not going to be for A while but it'll It'll that's what you be think. there eventually That's what, that's <laughs> what I think oh no um. <laughs> Surprise Oh shit <laughs> Um but anything else or can we transition into uh final
4: things
0: i love you all i love you too
4: love you All That's too gay.
0: all right um so what i want to do so there are two people on this call who uh, know that they have things to talk about um i want everyone to go through and uh plug different like ongoing projects that they have like where we can find and follow them and then i want to get into those last two things and then we'll uh as is tradition finish it off with a trailer for the next season of fables um so i'm going to have nick go first
3: hi uh as you probably know i am nick urusiva um in addition to uh, playing sort of uh, clueless Mr. Pib Addicted Aliens on this show. I also uh, host in Dungeon Master Tales of the Voidfarer, which is our any-nominated uh, D&D 5th Edition Spelljammer podcast, also here on the Project Derailed Network, with Fiona, who is one of the players.
0: Uh, yeah. You probably
3: know that by now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're one of like, the three or four people who don't listen to Tales of the Void Fair who listen to this podcast go listen to Tales <laughs> of the Void Fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a good
3: show if I it say so myself. Is.
0: Uh let's go with Kitty
2: next. Hi, I'm Kitty. Um mostly I do this stuff whenever these great people ask me to. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Black X cat B L A C K X K A T T because I'm an edgy teenager. <laughs> and that's mostly where I um share all of the nerdy happenings I come across and also scream about the state of the world. Yeah.
0: And uh Daniel
5: Uh mostly just the same as that uh I'm on things when I'm asked to be. Otherwise I am uh currently working in retail hell uh and playing a lot of final fantasy 14 i have a twitter i've mentioned it before i probably won't mention it again it's been pretty dead recently i have not commissioned much art so my page is a little barren i did get the character from this game commission though so maybe i'll like share that at some point when the next episode gets posted on twitter if i remember that i have notifications typically turned off for everything yeah yeah that's it
0: (laughs) um so then i will go to uh cliff and um uh well no actually i'll go to chelsea and i'll save cliff for last and then cliff you can have that lead into your thing but chelsea sans your thing that you're gonna talk about at the (laughs) end (laughs) tell us about it i'll
6: I'll I'll save the project plug for later. Um, So I'm Chelsea. I'm the art director for Project Derailed. I do all of the covers and art assets for Fables, aside from the logo. Nick made that. Um, But when I'm not working on stuff for Fables or Project Derailed, you can find me in our Discord server. Uh, I am the server fairy there. I make sure everybody's okay and having a good time. Uh, Or... I am in our kitchen making tabletop-inspired candles based on your tabletop characters. Uh, You can find out more about that by going to etsy.com slash shop slash plotkindlingcandles. And we have pre-made candles, or if you desire to have your very own character made, uh, we can do custom character candles
0: for you. All right, Thomas.
1: Uh... On I'm Tom. Uh, I'm on some of these. Um, yeah.
0: All right, Thank you, Thomas. Um, I am Fiona L.F. Kelly. I am the showrunner for the show. Um, and I'm also uh, one of two creative heads at uh, project Derailed, the other one being Nick. Um, I
3: neglected to mention that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I always I always try to, like, make sure I say you, too, because I feel like in the uh, mid-roll I forget that sometimes, so I always try, to, I try not to, like, steal your thunder with it. Um,
3: <laughs> I, I do so much that I forget all of the things I need to plug for myself. So. I do, too,
0: honestly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in addition to this, uh, Tom and I also host uh, the podcast Big Streaming Pile, where I twist Tom's arm into watching uh, bad movies that you can get on streaming services you can get all sorts of if you liked the part where Tom talked about the Revolutionary War for like six minutes you'll like that podcast (laughs) which sounds like an odd thing to say Um, but listen and you'll find out Um, and uh, I do writing and editing things sometimes in addition to podcasting yeah and um, Last but certainly not least is Cliff, who has a new thing to announce as well.
4: Yes, amongst all of the other internet things I do, I'm one half of the nerdcore hip-hop duo 2D6 with Tales of the Voidfarer's Luckbeak, a.k.a. Saker. Uh, We make nerdy hip-hop about various pop culture and the existential dread about being a content creator. Uh, You could find our seldom-used Twitter presence at 2D6Music. Uh, as well as uh, many other spaces on the internet. Just look up 2D6 Music. You might find us there. Uh, on Twitter, you can also follow me at the TheComicSads. Uh, uh, and I am also going to be the GM for a uh, time-skipped same-universe uh, masks podcast that's going to be called Cape Chronicles. Uh, it's going to be, uh, taking a return to Halcyon City, but instead of the year 2007, it's going to be, uh, updated to Modern Times 2022. Uh, we've got a, uh, lovely cast consisting of, uh, Fiona, Nick, Chelsea, and good friend of the pod, Roger, and we're really excited about what's going to be, uh, coming out uh we recorded the uh first issue for it and uh we think it's going to be a banger
0: yeah uh the first issue was so so good i was was so much fun i was so pleased with it cliff you did a really excellent job it was nice not having the pressure of of trying to (laughs) like control halcyon city Um, I was like oh I can just sit back and relax Um, but we will have a trailer for that at the end of uh, this episode but speaking of trailers as is tradition we announced the next season of Fables Around the Table in the retrospective episode of the previous season Um, so Chelsea since you are the one running that season why don't you give us uh, why don't you give us an idea of what the next season will be. Well, I mean, our next season is really more of a joint effort. <laughs> yeah, um, but you're like you're the one like organizing it.
6: Yeah. Um. So with Super ending in late January, early February, I don't remember when this is supposed to go up. First Somewhere week of it. February. Uh. So with uh, the retrospect with with this episode coming out and ending Super the first week of February. Um we really wanted to explore a genre of game that is sort of like underutilized as like a core kind of aspect in games. So we're doing another anthology season like Firelight, our horror anthology season, um, and doing romance games. So I hope you guys enjoy Fables Around the Table Candlelight. Oh my god.
0: Oh, that's a good name for that. It's been so much fun so far. We get to be so romantic. It is a very sapphic season. It is. <laughs> um, I I have enjoyed it so much, but there will be a trailer for that as well at the end of uh, this episode. So you get two projects for the tw- for the price of one. Um, yeah, this has been fun, guys. Um, yeah, I this is a good retrospective. I am I am very pleased with everything that we talked about. Um so I guess that this is where we end it and where we finally like leave super behind and uh, get on to the next season. So yeah.
5: To it's think fun. this is the last time we'll see Nick Risader. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that we Fading put that at existence. the end of at the end of Firelight actually that Nick was never heard from again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
6: But we have to leave on the, the real question of how long until our comic gets rebooted.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, it sort of did with Cliff's, maybe? It so not very know? long is the Cliff. answer. I, yeah.
2: I guess
6: you'll have to listen and see.
2: Yeah, you gotta listen and
0: see. You Cliff, gotta you, see have what's to, you have to promise
2: me one thing. What's that? You gotta make it really gay. Uh, <laughs> I'm
4: pretty sure that... The wheels are already turning for that.
2: Make it gayer.
5: Baby. We got new 52'd. <laughs> Listen,
7: we've already got I think four that Disney that's... Plus series lined up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I think that that's the perfect place to end it. So goodbye, everyone, and we will see you in candlelight. Bye. 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 Bye.
4: As you walk down the sidewalk, passing Shops of All Kinds, the cold wind stinging against your cheeks as the snow beneath your feet gives a light crunching you see a sign above your goal chronicle comics you open the door the ding of the bell letting the clerk know someone has entered he looks up at your familiar face and says hey uh, that comic you were picking up ended its run but it looks like the company printing it as uh, something new out and he hands you a comic on the cover a city along the water at night searchlights across the dark sky in each light are four faces with names and contrastingly colorful font below them.
0: Falcon Girl. No, he would not be impressed. He'd be like 50 times more pissed than he already is at me. Royale. Yeah, watching and seeing what happens isn't
6: stopping the crime. Remix! Am
7: I the
3: only one confused why Quasi can whisper? Quasi Raptor.
4: Quasi never gets to eat. Above them, in white font with yellow bordering, the words Cape Chronicles, available every first and third Wednesday of each month, starting March 2nd, 2022, from Project Derailed, wherever you get your podcasts. It is crammed in here.
6: hello listeners welcome back to your favorite romance podcast here to keep your heart aflame with only the most passionate stories of love on this season's enticing edition a queer cat and mouse story surrounded by romantic flowers and drenched in tension a gentle sapphic tale of an impassioned art collective of lesbian snakes in a cozy den and a trial of animated attraction and nightly courtship to discover if love can truly be found in a dating sim. Warm up, snuggle in, and embrace romance on this season of Fables Around the Table, Candlelight.